Overthinking It podcast, episode 12. Hello, everyone. It's Matt Rather. Uh, you can get me at Rather, W-R-A-T-H-E-R, at overthinkingit.com. Uh, and I'm here with episode 12 of the podcast, which is a little different than the episodes that we've been having up to this point, which have been largely panel discussions, uh, except every now and again, when we try it, when we find someone who's actually making popular culture uh, or making culture that aspires to be popular, um, we have had interviews with them, like uh, with Bear McCreary uh, on uh, the podcast earlier. Bear McCreary is the composer of the Battlestar Galactica TV series mu music and is now uh, working on Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles. I know he's working on it because I got an email from him. He follows Overthinking It and noticed when we got promoted to the front page of IMDb one of the times that that's happened over the last month and wrote to say congratulations. So uh, if you are interested in Terminator or in Battlestar uh, or in Bear McCreary, you can go back, just click the podcast link on the homepage at overthinkingit.com and listen to his interview. Uh, and today, uh, another interview uh, with another practitioner of the popular culture, Rhea Yarbrough, who is a singer, songwriter, recording artist, arranger, producer, uh, musician extraordinaire, uh, who is a jazz pop crossover artist. Uh, and we talk a little bit in, in my conversation with her about, uh, about those, genre labels and how the uh, music industry works. And so this is a different sort of format than our uh, usual panel discussion discussing, uh, you know, a cultural happening or the latest Hollywood blockbuster with four or five of the writers on the blog. So if you're looking for that, uh, well, hang on till next week. Uh, we just, it's just a little different today, but, um, you know, I think it's good to talk to people who actually make cultural artifacts because when we critique, uh, movies or music or books or any, you know, work of artistic production, I think it's easy to forget that it's not just the unadulterated, um, thoughts of the artist you know it's not like they envisioned it uh and it sprung fully formed from their head in that way uh in today's sort of increasingly complicated and technological media climate there are more and more cooks in the kitchen and artistic product is uh, isn't it terrible to sort of talk about it that way but artistic product is more and more the result of a system of of production of movie production and the movie business or of music production and the music business and i don't think you have to get all karl marx to realize that the the means of production has an effect on the artistic product and that is something i think that is worth overthinking if you are serious about the popular culture and we are all way too serious about the popular culture so uh I wanted to talk with Rhea a little bit, who is one of my, uh, by the way, also one of my oldest friends, um, about the music business and how the sausage is made in that industry uh, a little bit. And we play some uh, some cuts off her album, which is on the Telarc label, 
and uh, and have a little conversation. So uh, thanks for listening to the Overthinking It podcast. Without any further ado, Rhea Yarbrough. Any further ado? That's dumb. That's dumb. I should totally edit that out. Here's Rhea. If I could be a perfect one, Lord knows I would. If I could be a perfect one, Lord knows I would. Just a girl who took your words the best she could. The best she could. I could tell you the perfect story Lord knows I would If I could tell you the perfect story Lord knows I would Cause my heart is fine But my mind just ain't no good My mind just ain't no good no. La da 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 da. Be perfect.
Lord knows I would If I could be a perfect woman Lord knows I would Just a girl who took your words The best she could The best she could Overthinkingit.com, the blog that subjects the popular culture to a level of scrutiny that perhaps it doesn't deserve. And we are here today. Well, I am here alone today. It's rather. We only put our last names on the blog. That's, I, you know, I don't know. That's like a, that's like a guy thing to call I'm each other. <laughs> I am here alone with uh, the fabulous, lovely, and talented Rhea Yarbrough who is a singer, songwriter, musician, arranger, producer uh, <laughs> of music, both live and recorded, uh, who just also happens to be one of my dear old friends from way back. And we're going to talk about the music. Rhea, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. Have you ever been really on a podcast? Oh, yeah. No, you see, you call me by my first name because you're a girl. And it's such, oh, a, right. it's, oh, it's such a guy thing to be like, by the hey, Yarbro. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's, we don't make any secret of it. It's just that there are two mats on the blog so that it, uh, you know, it, um, I guess it's a convenience thing. It could be like elementary school. It'd be like Matt W and Matt Z or whatever the other words. You have a last initial or something. Yeah, right. Exactly. You, you, yeah, can, call me, you can call me Yarbro if you want. Yarbro. What's up, Yarbro? Yeah. And that is spelled why? Well, no, I should just say the website. You can get her on her website, which is R A Y A Y A R. B-R-O-U-G-H. Yeah, it's not like those Yarborough people. I don't know who they are, but they have to they have to quit. RayaYarborough.com, and we'll put a link on the blog also. Uh, and she has just released uh, a an eponymous. <laughs> that's right, right? I used that word correctly, didn't I? She's it's correct enough for me. A a self titled uh, <laughs> album on the Telarc. Jazz label. Well, now this this is a question, right? Because Telarc is kind of a jazz label. But y are you a jazz artist per se? How would you categorize the music that you do? Well, if you want to find the album, you look in the jazz section. And you know, the reason I went for a jazz label is because I thought they would give me the most freedom with uh, with the music I want to do. Because jazz has historically been. Um, you know, progressive music, you know, it sure. started off, it has so many different origins and pretty much every decade it takes on a completely new identity, absorbing, you know, kind of absorbing the, uh, the um, immigrant influx, <laughs> you know, into America. Sure. Like, yeah, there's Latin jazz. I mean, nowadays, I mean, there's klezmer jazz and hip hop jazz and Afro, there's always been like Afro-Cuban jazz, like forever. And there's city jazz and country jazz, which kind of sounds bluesier. And, you know, it's, it's a good thing like that. Um, so I, I've always listened to all different kinds of music. But when I was really little, I started off listening to um, 
Scott Joplin and Brazilian jazz and then other kinds of straight ahead jazz. So that's kind of a big route for me. Uh-huh. But, you know, as you get older, I, I got into, you know, Bjork and Beck and let's see, who else starts with a, with a B? Uh, Bonnie Raitt um, and Tori Amos and, you know, then back to Nina Simone and like Cassandra Wilson and um, PJ Harvey and just all kinds of different people. So, um, so, so I really need to find, I needed to find myself in a place where I could, you know, be free to, to go for my roots and also go for all kinds of different things. So that's why I went for a jazz label. However, if I were to categorize myself, I would, I would want to do, um, well, you know how there's alt rock? Yeah. So that's category, alternative rock. Sure. So I thought alt jazz, alternative jazz would be, would be my, my ideal, uh, genre placement. I was listening to the record through again in preparation for for talking to you about it, and you are I so prepared. I do what I can. You know, <laughs> it's I mean when the preparation is listening to music and excellent music such as yours, it is a pleasure. I oh. I ought to say that you should run, not walk, to your record store and uh, ask for Rhea Yarbrough by Rhea Yarbrough, and if they don't have it demand to know why and tell me why yeah <laughs> and then go on the internet and get it and there me, anyway give me the name of the guy you talked to and right. the address and i will go down there <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah or um, you can get it on amazon i mean you can get it on a bunch of different places so uh okay so alternative jazz i was listening to um what's the last cut on the album better days
that's one of my um that's one of my my favorite tunes of yours. I think the chorus is just I you know, I think it's just super catchy and and right. I really mean this as a as a compliment. Uh Poppy. Yeah, well that's good. That's good and that's uh <laughs> that's good. That's just good. You want that. Yeah. Um Oh, no, no, no it's super. I hum the yeah. I hum the the melody of the chorus over to myself but it's not you know it's not sort of dumb it's not sort of dumb pop but then you know i was listening to it and i kind of perked up because like two-thirds of the way through there's this trumpet solo yeah yeah and so it's really it's really outside it's supposed to be outside yeah right and so that you've you know you have this even in this kind of pop song that is uh you know uh, of the spectrum of what's on that record it's sort of more towards the pop rock area um, yeah, you 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 put this you put like a solo and it's like two choruses worth of so or two verses worth of solo or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, not not too long, not not too overindulgent, I think, or I hope. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's yeah. just my point. My point was that it it really puts you firmly in that jazz camp, you know. Yeah, it's it's so interesting that you point out Better Days because Better Days has unanimously been the least favorite of any label I've ever been on, and I've been through three. <laughs> this is this is the the biggest one and the most real label and the the one that's supported me the most, but um, it, it's funny because Better Days is a real is a real mutt, you know. It's got really clear Latin influence. Yeah. Um, but then, as far as song form goes, if I may overanalyze it, if I may overthink it, please do. Um, <laughs> the uh, the song structure is pretty typical pop. You know, you've got your you've got your verse, you've got your pre-chorus, you've got your chorus that happens once, and then the second time you got your verse, you got your pre-chorus, and you got your chorus going twice. Then you got your solo, and then you got four choruses so everybody can sing along at the end. You know, and bump and grind or whatever they want to do, uh -huh. um, which is which is always fine. Yeah, no, um, and it's great. There's that like and, and, that sixteenth note Latin beat going underneath it. That's yeah, like you can also. Oh, go ahead. It's you can really bump and grind to that, or you know, <laughs> samba or whatever. I want to make some babies with this song. Yeah, right, know? exactly. Uh, <laughs> but um, there's also a quote from Freedom Jazz Dance, if you happen to know that song on there, which is kind of a kind of a deep jazz reference if you're a jazz person. Um, and the trumpet solo, um, you know, the original one was from the demo is played by this guy named Brian Swartz, who's just a, a jazz cat from out here in L.A., and he's just fantastic. Um, and uh, it was just really... Um, I wanted to use a, a muted trumpet sound, yeah, uh, which is something that Miles Davis kind of. I mean, he's not the only one to do it, obviously, but he he made it one of the people who made it very famous. And uh, I wanted it to sound very jazz in there. I, yeah. I really wanted that to be in there. So it, it's, it's cool if you pointed out. Um, gosh, I had a different thing I was going to well, say. Well, it kind of this. opens up. I mean, it, right? It kind of opens up because you have a sort of you know you have a kind of Latin pop song that then sort of opens up to to be something else, you know? Yeah. Yeah, which was the idea. So, so that that's neat. I, I'm I'm glad you like it. <laughs> Do you play? Oh yeah, no, I've like always it. liked that song. I, you know, I like though. One of the things I like out of music is sort of memorability. You know. Yeah. And I like I I like sort of folk music, and so I like simple materials. I think that I think that they're not simplistic just because they're simple. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, simple is the hardest thing to do. Um, there is uh, there's one song on here that it, it's it's funny. I, I scrutinize my my songwriting all the time because coming from coming from jazz, a lot of times it's all about the notes and it's all about the harmony and the complexity, um, which is why 
many times when you hear people, and I don't want to, I don't want to sound all up and up my own butt with this, but well, I guess that's what I'm on the air for, right? Okay, let's let's all go up my butt together. Um, <laughs> that, it's gonna be the title. It's gonna it's be the all... title of the link on the thing. <laughs> up Ray's butt with up Matt. the butt with Ray Yarbrough. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, a lot of times when you hear a merger of of lyrics and jazz the lyrics kind of get lost a little bit because the music itself gets very very complex and a lot of times it's rare that you see the combination of really good songwriting of the ilk of uh um elliot smith not elliot smith that's not the word i'm looking for um yeah elliot smith or like tom waits or uh joni mitchell or any of these you know really incredible songwriters it's rare that you see that kind of vocal working in a jazz setting because a lot of times people rely on just the music and the words are very very secondary um Uh that's not the case with you know with the jazz standards you know with 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 things that have become standards like rogers and Hart. right i was about to say the great american songbook stuff that stuff is fantastic absolutely fantastic but a lot of lyrically and musically lyrically and musically and the interplay between the two Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that stuff comes from theater. Some of it doesn't. But, I mean, that stuff is just, like, the best song craft you're going to find. Um, but a lot of times when I have heard, and this, this is my frustration. This is part of a barrier I'm trying to break through, um, just, just personally, because I have found myself stuck in this rut before. Um, a lot of times as jazz gets updated, as it moves into, like, hip-hop and R&B and these other things, it tends to rely on the groove. It tends to turn into groove music, which is okay which has its place, which can be really, really awesome, you know? Um, but you lose some of, some of the craft. You know, you lose some of the craft to the nuance. Yeah. Um, and I'm, it's like, it's, it's like my, my Captain Ahab life's goal to, like, to find that balance, you know? To, to bring out the coolness and the complexity of jazz, but not to let the complexity overwhelm a really well-stated concept right you because know? you don't it's not something that you bring up but you're also well i guess you did in sort of citing some of those influences but in talking about being f- kind of firmly in the jazz camp because jazz is a progressive music and it's kind of an exploratory music um you're also in a singer-songwriter tradition yeah yeah which that's... which makes me more nervous actually you know i, I feel like that's Coming from jazz, it's harder to live up to that because it's like I didn't, you know, a lot of my friends who are really excellent songwriters, you know, it's like they went to school for creative writing and for poetry and things like that. Whereas, you know, I went to school and I, and I learned a whole lot of trumpet solos, um, which is good, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and you can sing them through in solfege, probably. I can sing them through, um, and which is good. You know, they're two different things to learn about, but... Um, but it's just, I, I don't know. It's like the grass is always greener, I suppose. You know? I guess so. I, but here's, you know, here's what I, so Ed, insofar as you're in the singer-songwriter camp, you don't yeah. think of, you think of like great jazz players not always necessarily being composers and being more interpreters. You know, not a, not a composer the way Joni Mitchell is or the yeah. way today someone like Nora Jones is, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. That's a comparison that must piss you off a lot because it's like <laughs> Nora Jones, she's jazzy. Well, she is jazzy. That's true, and it's 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 funny. It's like uh, 
what could I title my career right now? If I could title my career something, well, there's a bunch of different things, but one of the subtitles could be <laughs> thanks to Nora slash no thanks to Nora. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's really both because because of the success of Nora Jones, jazz labels have looked at people like me and been like, okay, this is someone who has an obvious, obvious jazz connection. Someone who can sing jazz, who has a lot of jazz qualities, but who is not singing the Great American Songbook, but who is writing. Right. Who is um, not Diana, who is like, who's yeah. Not Diana Krall. Exactly. Yeah, Diana exactly. Krall right. Preceded, like, you know. Preceded Nora Jones. Yeah. And if you imagine a continuum from Diana Krall on the one end to you on the other end, Nora Jones is somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah. Or no, well, I, maybe, actually, or maybe think... Nora Jones is on the end and you're in the middle. Maybe you and Nora Jones and <laughs> Diana Krall should all just get together and have a big pillow fight in little camisoles and those hot shorts <laughs> that you girls like to wear. Okay, Matt, for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we'll decide any music that way, but we'll just do it for you, for your birthday. <laughs> um, we'll throw some mud in there for you, too. Oh, That'll that's nice. That'll be good. And we'll have, a, we'll have Michael Buble referee. <laughs> um sorry but, i but i i interrupted you what no you no that's okay i enjoyed it um i i would say that Nora jones is closer to diana Krall than i am because well now why um well i don't know i mean then again i mean you have to look at all the different ingredients uh you know and if we're overthinking it i guess like because guess she's um i mean Nora. basically i look at her sort of like a country singer more sure. so you sure, know, she definitely the, has that feel. Yeah, on, on the laid-back side of folk country. That's that's really how I see her. And the funniest thing, I get compared to her all the time simply because I'm not, you know, doing the Diana Krall repertoire. Um, I don't actually sound like her at, at all. all. My stuff is, you know, more experimental, honestly. Um, Tends to be a little more up-tempo. A little more up-tempo, a little, a little edgier in a way. I mean, not, not edgy like, you know, Nine Inch Nails or something like that. But Or Bjork, um, yeah. But, but no, 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 definitely. You're definitely sort of pushing a thing. Like, she'll cover a song like like The Nearness of You or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But she does it, and, you know, I thought she did a fine job with it, but yeah. she does it as a kind of a very straightforward country folk thing, and she's not breaking a lot of new ground. Yeah. Whereas... And one doesn't have to break new ground. I don't think that's the only thing that makes an artist valid. I mean, for instance, someone like, uh, if, if we're hearkening back, like someone like Peggy Lee, like gorgeous, you know, gorgeous. I mean, being an interpreter is is a skill and a talent, a, a noble skill and talent all into itself, you know? Sure. And I thought about that. I thought, why don't I just make my life easy and just <laughs> do an album of jazz standards? Because I could do that. You know, I could get fantastic arrangements and do these things and it would be really easy to sell really easy for people to get and understand it would be it would be really simple but that just didn't feel honest to me i felt like yeah. i loved you well you would probably do you would probably do your own arrangements right yeah i do do you find do you find being and forgive me for saying so but do you yeah. find being a chick singer that people make assumptions about your musicianship absolutely because you're a you know you're a person with a uh, with a college level music education you know mm -hmm. it's not and I'll I I haven't asked directly before but I'll bet like a lot of the horn arrangements on the record are yours and things like this yeah yeah they are yeah. I mean of and course, so do people what, what, assume that you can't do that stuff and then you you know just come in and you know I don't know blow I, them know, away <laughs> people have a bunch of assumptions they make I mean um. I mean, yeah, a lot of the arrangements on the album are mine, but 
also one of the most important things about you know your musical development is realizing when you need help. You know, which is why I got Steve Bartek of you know formerly of Oingo Boingo who uh, who orchestrates for Danny Elfman and is a composer in his own right. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why I got him to come in and produce the album. He did the fantastic arrangement on uh, Early Autumn, which is just amazing. Which is, I, I think, probably the uh, one of the definite jazz tracks on the album, Early Autumn. Um, but anyway, he did that, and he was just invaluable to me on the whole process, you know? Like, I, I had horn charts that I've been playing for years, and I had some that I wrote that were new, and I would say, hey, this is the arrangement I've been doing. Check this out. Let's look at this. And it was like, it was like a fantastic composition lesson, you know? Because yeah. sometimes he would mention things like, oh, parallel fifth. And I was like, whoa, I forgot about those. <laughs> oh, my God. No How no long has it been since you did, that. like, four-part writing? Yeah. I mean, you know, not since freshman theory class have I, has anyone alerted me to parallel fifths, you know? Uh and, and for those people out there who don't know what parallel fifths are, uh, it's they a They should find a another podcast. Yeah, I was going to say it's a drinking game. <laughs> Drink, yeah. Whenever you, yeah, whenever you hear a parallel fifth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you drink. Um, but I was going to say something else. I was on a different track. Um, so, oh, I was going to talk about Joy Spring. Oh yeah, that arrangement. That's that's totally on the other side of things. That's that's what I like to do with jazz. I really like to mess it up. <laughs> you know, it's like that was that represents my Bjork influence. You know, that's the only uh, the track I have with any electronic stuff going on. Just because you I know really what? Let's give to... a little. Let's give a little yeah. listen to that right now. Thank you. 
Thinking It podcast. That's excellent. Thanks for playing it. Now, I understand uh, that you are on the soundtrack of Battlestar Galactica, the television show revival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Bear McCreary hired me to sing um, on actually all of the seasons. I, I'm the ethereal female voice whenever you hear one. Uh, I always I wondered, I, you know, you hear those things in, in TV and movie soundtracks. I always wondered where they came from. And the answer is you. Yeah, the answer is me. <laughs> what did you have just, to do? I mean, did you have to sound ethereal, or was that all done? Uh, was that all done in processing? <laughs> no, I mean it's like uh, 
it's I don't know. It's just kind of I guess the flavor of my voice. He 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 heard something that could sound you know kind of faux faux Middle Eastern in there. We kind of go for that, trying to sound you know quote unquote ethnic. But um, it, it usually goes kind of in the Middle Eastern direction as far as my uh, my warbling, um, just because that's uh, I don't know that that's that that kind of music heavily influences the score. Um, he has me sing a lot of different languages. That's the most difficult part. He's had me sing in, in Sinhalese, and uh, I didn't sing in Gaelic. Someone else sang in Gaelic. I've sung in Latin, um, Armenian recently. Wow. We, we don't tend to sing in English. We like to switch up the languages just because there's there's an other earthly thing, I mean, or rather an um, extra earthly thing about Battlestar, you know. They are human beings, but they're not from this planet. And so we mix up the various origins because they're not from one. They're kind of from everything. They're all, yeah, it's like a poo-poo platter. Of, <laughs> of people. Of musical and musical influences. Yeah, yeah. it's It's been a really, really fun show. Are you on any of the, I, I assume they've released a soundtrack album. Are you on the record? Yeah, I'm on seasons two and three. And I will be on season four when they release that. Wow, they've released a, a, a CD of music from every season? Yeah, because the... Bear works his butt off, that's why. <laughs> why? God, yeah, but I remember like Star Trek The Next Generation, there was only one record of music from that. I know because I bought it and listened to it obsessively when I was a child. <laughs> I, I would say you're a huge geek for doing that, but you know what? So did I. Um, right? There's this there's this really hauntingly beautiful theme when the space jellyfish comes out from the pilot <laughs> encounter at Farpoint. Do you do you know do you know the moment I mean when they liberate the space jellyfish from uh <laughs> from the planet and it kind of floats out and it meets its like space jellyfish mate and floats away. There's this very beautiful little piano uh sort of motif that comes in and it's just very I, I just it, I cite it as an early influence on my musical taste. <laughs> That's okay. No, you know, I do know the point you mean actually. <laughs> I never thought of it as a space jellyfish, but that's very apropos. <laughs> <laughs> that's that is exactly what it is. Um, so okay, uh, you started in college. Well, obviously your career. I I would like to ask a little bit if you care to talk about it about kind of how you got to where you are because you're a person. It's easy to see how you're sort of you're a, a musician who's who's recording some things and touring and sort of doing the thing where you're sort of trying to get recognized. But from the point of view of someone who's just starting out, you know, you have representation, you have management, you're signed to a record deal with a label that is a real label, you know, <laughs> that you've, you know, in the eyes of a, you know, in the eyes of this sort of dewy girl that you used to be, you're kind of, you know, you're you're you've sort of made it right at this point and though i'm sure the the sort of broken you know cynical shell of your former self that you've become course, uh course. has a different perspective on it right I, I'm like glad, i'm glad that you recognize that about me. <laughs> it's one of the things it's why we're still friends yes i didn't know that i was dewy you didn't tell me <laughs> oh, back you in the told day. me i was dewy <laughs> <laughs> it would have been yeah i know 
it's it's funny. Uh, we well, Rhea and I have known each other since the seventh grade, and so we went to to high school together. And it's amazing how stupid high school boys are about high school girls. You know? I know. <laughs> <laughs> and considering seventh grade was only you know ten years ago. Um, how much can I really have grown up since then? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But starting, starting. Let's not let's not reveal what year we went to school. How about that? <laughs> yeah, right. It's um, probably okay for you, but for me, you know, I'm not allowed to be older than 25. Are you not really? I don't think so. I don't know. I think that's kind of how it's supposed to be in in my business. I guess so, right? Yeah. That like, yeah. um, yeah, unless you, you know, I don't know, unless you like develop a drug problem or something. Um, right. Yeah, I, then I guess all is forgiven. But I guess, I, did, I, I guess, yeah, no, I guess that's not funny. That joke's an extremely poor taste. No, I mean, hey, I mean, I didn't have the foresight to do that, you know, if I, if I, <laughs> if I had, I'd have a, I'd have a more interesting story, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, just think of all the industry contacts you'd make in top stuff programs. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> But anyway, uh, what you were, oh, so yeah. So you started out, right, right, yeah. you know, you've attained a certain level of accomplishment in, yeah. well, you know, in, in the business. That's separate, I think, from the artistic accomplishment of the music that you can. Yeah. Well, the truth is, the truth is this, um, especially in this day and age when so much is changing about the music industry, um, the model of sign the artist, artist development, you know, shop the artist, let the artist grow and you know, start from a small crowd and get to a big crowd. And, you know, the whole the whole idea of an artist getting signed and the label supporting them through their, you know, through their bloom into the world is pretty much gone because yeah. that, that money is no longer in the music business. Um, I remember hearing this story about Marvin Gaye's recording sessions and how they would record and they'd go outside and play basketball for a while and they'd come in and do some more and you know their recordings would take forever because they're so multi-layered and beautiful and inspired and um, our, our time for inspiration honestly has been cut because you can't just buy out the studio anymore and hang out for months you know I mean unless unless you've got millions of dollars behind your album yeah. um, which a lot of people don't get anymore, even on the major labels, you know, because people aren't buying CDs like they used to. There's there's so much less money in the industry. Like, I can't even tell you, you know, like I've been through three different record labels because the first two went bankrupt, you know. And so you were signed to a record deal. The label went bankrupt. You're yeah. signed to another record deal. The label goes bankrupt. And yeah. then this is this is third time's the charm. This is third time. This label is they're they're very um they're very conscious about their funds. So they're I think the other two labels were really just basing their thoughts on the on the old models and spending money that they couldn't spend. You know they were spending money they used to spend, but they didn't realize that more it's not coming back like it used to. So it's just harder in the industry right now. Things are changing so much, and it's it's both good and and harder for artists. Basically, even when you're signed, unless you're going to be a multi-million dollar pop product, you know, unless you commit, all right, I am not, you, you know, I'm putting my hands in, putting my life in the hands of these producers, these stylists, this thing, I'm going to be the product, exactly the product that the industry feels can fit in this niche and I'm going to go there and I'm going to have a big glossy career for like three years and then hit the road. 
you know? Well, you know who's kind There's... of done that in a way is Jewel. I, I, I don't know about that, though, because I think Jewel ran into some hard times. I mean, after, like, Pieces of You was the first one, I think, and yeah. then there was, I don't know what the other one after that was, but I just remember she kind of disappeared for a while, and then she came out with these songs that were way more kind of techno, right? which was bizarre, and now I think she's gone country, which is a good place for her. Well, she started doing these radio interviews in support of that second record that was that were like, yeah, no, I'm a product, I'm all packaged, and things like this. And I, like, I didn't you know. believe her when I heard that. I thought you no, you think that's part of stuff. the that's part of the post. That's I mean, that's part of the the art. Uh, well, I don't know if you want to go that way. You know, I think she felt like, you know, the whole you know the jewel of the '90s would not sell now. You know. And so and she jewel- had to get more packaged and she, you know, if she wanted to have a career, um, I'm glad she came out of that, you know, I'm glad that, that she seems like she's doing stuff that's more herself now. I haven't given the new album a really good listen, yeah. but, um, I don't know. I, 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 I hear what you're saying as far as her getting packaged for a while, because yeah, that, that seemed like it really did happen. But I, I see her as, a, as an artist that. Is it is a real genuine artist, and I see her having a lot of longevity. Um, not like like Britney. Let me tell you why I have respect for Britney. I mean, after after all the drugs and the kid stuff, I feel a little different, I guess, because I mean that was that was a really hard time. But before all of that happened, before her personal life, you know, yeah. became the spotlight, um, she was putting out, you know, pop candy recordings is what i call it just just pop candy you know and she's blonde and she's dancing and she doesn't write any of the stuff and she just sings it and it's way over no, it's all it's all comes from sweden oh yeah for they ship it to sweden they ship it back she dances to it you know yeah. um but she never pretended to be anything else that's the thing she was like i am going to make you bump and grind and i'm not writing anything and i am a pop confection and that's it that's me that's what you want that's what i'm giving you you know, well, it's like it. it and yeah, so in I mean, that way, it's like, well, hey, you never said you were anything else, so okay, more power to yeah, you. Yeah, or how you got to think of like, how, was she really involved at all? You know, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe if she was, I think it was probably you know stuff that was agreeable to the label. You know, she didn't say, you know, I wanna, I wanna do an acoustic track with um, with upright bass and tabla. You yeah, know? right. <laughs> you know, she didn't say that. She didn't say, you know, I wanna, I wanna put to music the works of Dylan Thomas. You know, I mean, <laughs> she didn't come Do not get with, gentle into that good night. Into that good night, baby. You know, <laughs> she did not say that. Um, and, and so and in that way, I mean, that's really cool. You know, in, in a way, it's kind of stupid for people like me to say, hey, uh, I want to do things my way. <laughs> you know, because who's to say that anyone's gonna like that? But yeah, I don't know. Um, but anyway, I was I was going somewhere with that before with the whole state of the business thing. Um, oh, I was just saying that artists these days, really, really, no matter what label you are, have to think of themselves as independent, um, because you're not gonna necessarily have all the money you want for publicity. You're not gonna have all the money you want for for traveling for wardrobe, for this, that, and the other thing. So, you, you, you know, if, if you want to go to a gig and you need to have a poster there or you need to have flyers to hand out, you kind of have to do it yourself. Yeah. You know, and where are you going to get the money? You know, going, going to Kinko's and, and making your flyers and cutting them, that still costs money. 
You know, yeah. the color copier is not free, damn it. So <laughs> you have to do something. Um, no, it's so like you have 50, to... it's like 50 or 60 cents a copy. Uh, you know, highway robbery, man. Right? So um, I know, seriously. I was like, who do I have to sleep with here? Can I just sleep with someone? And then actually, just... that would be, that is not a bad strategy, actually, is to date, so. someone at, date someone at Kinko's. <laughs> I guess so, but I don't know. I've never really seen anyone at Kinko's that I really uh, wanted to, uh, to know that well. No, no insults to people at Kinko's. I haven't met them all. I've only met like people at this one particular store who were very nice, I might add. Um, but anyway, you know, it's, it's <laughs> I don't know, it's very unglamorous, really, being a musician who is not, you know, on the level that you can turn down all the gigs you don't want to do, because it, it's really weird. Like, the day after I sang at the Hollywood Bowl, uh -huh. um, which I did a few years ago, the day after that, I started work at Barnes & Noble dusting bookshelves. Wow. The day after I got off the Hollywood Bowl stage, I went to Barnes & Noble and dusted bookshelves. And, um, you know, then I sang at the Kennedy Center a few years later and i came home and sang at weddings you know yeah. and sang it so how so you must have just you must have just squeezed out like hundreds of weddings and bar mitzvahs and casual gigs yeah a lot of them you know <laughs> if, if <laughs> i if i ever get famous i'm gonna i don't know put out some kind of a an, an ad or like a reward you know for for anyone who can find me on their wedding video because <laughs> <laughs> there's got to be a lot you know can you find me in your wedding video can you find me in your your wedding photography book you know because <laughs> i've been to a lot of them it's you know it's weddings barbitzes you know do you divorces, develop a sense do you, do you, yeah exactly do you develop a sense about what weddings are going to work out and which aren't <laughs> i don't know i mean I, I i find myself critiquing dresses you know i i know exactly what i don't want to do for my wedding now since I've well there you go so yeah do you have like worst stories like what's the worst wedding you ever played oh god um i'd have to think about that you know in all honesty i'm thinking of compiling a book um that would be, it would be like the nanny di it's like the nanny diaries or the devil wears prada of uh, you know of uh blue collar musicians as i as i call us yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's but the from the story you're telling uh, blue collar musicians are everyone but the top you know 0.05% yeah. absolutely yeah i mean yeah and it's funny cuz each one of those people like Every musician out there who's playing weddings, who's playing, you know, office luncheons, you know, who's playing Christmas parties for people they don't know, every one of those people has their own product, uh, their own project, rather, and their own dreams, you know, and a lot of them have really, really good bands, and a lot of them are the highest quality of musicians, um, and, you know, just because they don't look right or sound exactly right or schmooze the right people, you know, no one will ever know them, you know? And for some people, that's fine. Some people just do music for themselves anyway. But it's, 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 really, it's really interesting to think about how many, you know, brilliant people there are out there. And I don't know if I might, I don't know, be all hallmarky for a second. I mean, not hallmarky, but schmaltzy, I guess. It's, I, you know, every time I complain about, oh, I work so hard for this, or, you know, I, I, I didn't get the money from my label for this thing I wanted to do, it's kind of like, well, you know, I, I should count my blessings, because there's probably, you know, five people around the corner who are writing better songs than me, you know, if I'm to be humble about it. Um, it's just true. 
they're, I don't think I well, I think your songs are pretty good myself, but I, I appreciate. Know. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, right. It's it's sort of a grind. I mean, up to the very highest level, it's it seems like it's a grind, and maybe even at the highest level, it's a grind because the compromises you have to make at that point, yeah, you know, are probably sort of soul killing. I I guess so. I don't know. It's it's always hard to. The music and business, you know, they put the word music business together, but they're not really together. There's the music and there's the business. And it's it's just, it's a constant frustration, you know, because they help each other, but they're also at odds. They're also always at odds, you know, because the artist says, I feel this and I want to do this. And I understand, you know, where this musical trend is going and that's why I'm doing this. But then the music business will say, no, no, that's not the model. You know, that's not what we've seen work. So you can't do this because we haven't seen this work. Are you trying to are you trying to leverage, you know, the power of the internet at all to promote yourself? I mean, the thing about the internet, I guess, is that it, you know, it has democratized. I, I mean, and you're right in that it sort of shifts the burden onto the artists to sort of become their own labels in a way. But it's democratized the tools at the same time as it's sort of decimated the you know, this sort of major label uh, money party of the 80s and 90s. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's also led to a, a little bit of... It leads to a little bit of confusion on the part of the artist, especially someone who has been independent for a long time. Like, I, you know, I've had a band, you know, doing my own stuff for almost 10 years now. Yeah. And now I have a label coming in and saying, okay, we're going to do this part and you do this part. And it's very weird when you've been wearing all the hats, you know, yeah. as, as most artists do now, when you're your own publicist, your own manager, your own booker, right. your yeah. own... Rhea, producer. you don't have to go down to Kinko's anymore. We yeah. have a depart. <laughs> we have a department for that for yeah. you. But it's like, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't, you know? So sometimes, you know, you expect something will get done and it doesn't get done. And you're like, oh, I should have done that. I wish I had known. And other times you you do something and you realize, oh, I've stepped on someone's toes. And it's, yeah. it's it can be really difficult right now just because... Well, it's an adjustment period, yeah. right? Yeah, it, it really, really is. And I think it's it's hard for a lot of artists that have been independent. I, I mean, I put out two albums before I put out, you know, this label-released album. Self, self-produced albums. Yeah, self-produced, self-released, and, you know, yeah. distributed to the degree they were distributed. You know, I mean, I okay. challenge anyone to find one. <laughs> Uh, I well, you know, I have them all. I actually have three. I think three records. Yeah, one one isn't even an official album, so you're you're super special. Right, I am. <laughs> I am super special. But no one no one can fault you though for not being entrepreneurial, right? Like you have you founded a festival, a music festival in Los Angeles. Talk a little bit about that. Alternative Jazz, the Alternative Jazz Festival. I started it in two thousand three. Uh, actually. In reaction to jazz festivals not booking me because they said I wasn't jazz enough. <laughs> that, was, that was kind of my reaction. I was like, not jazz enough. And I was thinking, you know, I know I know so many acts that have played jazz festivals that are less jazz than me, but they maybe had bigger names. And I was like, Who wasn't is not booking cool. like all the way to the all the way to the level of like Playboy or Newport or something like that? Or is well, it like Playboy's always been very cool to me. Uh, 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 Darlene Chan who runs festival productions, I think, who runs that is has always been really, really good to me, and she's always been been a fan and a friend. Um, so I can't say that they have uh, that they're the guilty party. Um, but 
it, it just happened that I would talk to lots of, you know, festivals slash concert series and stuff that were focused on jazz. And they would say, like, oh, you know, we really like it. We like what you're doing. We like your voice. But, I, you know, I don't know if it fits, you know, in that box well enough. And I was thinking, you know, I know so many people who who are approaching music like I am. Um, and so I decided I'm going to start my own festival. And uh -huh. I, I, I'll book me. Hey. So, um... You'll headline. Yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll, I won't give, I won't give me any crap. No, uh, I actually think I, to your credit, actually, I have some alternative jazz posters and you, nice. you have not always been the headlining act. No, no, actually I try to get a bigger name than me. I try right. to get, I try to open for someone, you know? Right. And the whole idea is that there's strength in community, in all kinds of community, but especially in creative communities, because people feed off each other, they appreciate each other. People who are doing music that is not absolutely mainstream can feel like they have a home and they have listenership, you know, and they have understanding. Um, so now I've done nine of these festivals since 2003. And, um, and it's been really cool because I've, I've found a community of people who have jazz sensibilities and they get it, but they, they appreciate different kinds of music just as much and they bring it in just as much. And you get such, such weird, beautiful creatures out of, out of this hybrid music. Um, and I'm going to start, uh, I think, I'm, I hope I'm not jumping the gun in saying this, but um, I've been talking to the Mint. Uh, in LA about doing a, a monthly alternative jazz series. Um, so now it wouldn't be, I've been doing it like two or three times a year, but now I'm going to do a, a once a month thing. That's which great. Will, yeah. Which should be really cool just because there's nothing like bringing people together around, around, around good shit. Can I say that word? Is that okay? Oh God. Fuck. Yeah. Okay. It's a podcast. <laughs> around, around some good shit. Good shit to listen to. That's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So at the so at the mint, where can people find information about alternative jazz about the festival? Uh, they can go to alternativejazz.com, actually, which is alternative jazz. Yeah. Oh, wait, I'm just gonna spell it. It's just spell it. Spell it out. Do it. Do it. I'm gonna spell it out. A L T E R N A J A Z Z. It's all one word. Alternajazz.com. Um, the website is almost updated. Uh, you can see the posters for I think festivals one through seven. Um. So, you know, we're missing two, but, yeah. uh, but, it, but it's all up there. It's not going to have um, updated information on the dates yet because the dates haven't been confirmed. I'm really, I'm still working this out with, with the book over the mint. So like I said, he could pull the plug and be like, you know, I don't know, but he's, I've done festivals. I've done the Alternative Jazz Festival at that particular club a few times and it's been really successful. And, um, and, and I think, I think he's down. <laughs> Excellent. Now, speaking of strange and beautiful hybrid creatures, how did you come to cover Queen on the uh, on the record? Because I wanted to do some covers. I, I do love doing covers. I do love it. I love it when there's a song that just gets under my skin, and there's always a certain a certain moment in a song that is the clincher for me. And you know, I, I whenever I like a song, I've always done reworkings of them in my head where I can just kind of highlight that particular moment that means something to me um you know and i knew that i was going to cover some jazz things i knew i was going to cover early autumn and joy spring and uh kind of my version of mood indigo on this album and i thought you know i want to cover something that's not jazz uh -huh. i, I want to cover something else and really just you know g give it give it the treatment that i have dreamt of and so i covered uh this song called dreamer's ball by queen 
which is one of my favorite bands. They're so awesome. They're so creative. No one has ever sung like Freddie. I don't think anyone ever will. No, the like man Freddie. was a genius. The man was a oh. genius on a scale that I think we can barely comprehend. Yeah. I mean, and anyone anyone who makes rock and roll music at the piano is okay by me. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my god. Yeah. Awesome. And whoever and who can wear tight jeans like that? Right. My lord. You know. Well, to hit some of those pitches that he sings, I mean, I think the jeans would have to be pretty tight. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Um. Uh. But anyway, what was I saying? Um. Yes, yeah, Dreamers Ball. Um. I, I wanted to. Um. I love the harmonies, the vocal harmonies that Queen does, and so I wanted to. I really wanted to gussy it up, and I, they almost felt gospel in their soulfulness. So I decided to take it into kind of a rootsy gospel direction. Um, and actually, my dad's on the track singing the low notes I can't hit. Huh. Um, otherwise, it's just me doubled for uh, many eternities. Um, yeah, how long did that take? Not as long as you'd think, because I was. I was really inspired about the song. I mean, <laughs> we we did all the harmonies, we did all those vocal laying, we did it in one session, you know, over just a few hours. And I guess it was a little bit arduous. I think I think my producer was pulling some of his hair out, but I was like, no, just one more track, just one, just give me one more track. I swear, I swear, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah. Tie all of these layers together, you know. So I think there's five five layers of vocals at the end of the day. Excellent. Um, which is which is fun. I love doing that. It's fun. Um, well, let's uh, let's give it a listen. Okay, yeah. And I think we'll probably go out on this. So let me say one more time that we have been talking with the incredibly talented and also so insightful and entrepreneurial Rhea Yarbrough. You should go to her website, which is r a y a y a r b r o u g h. Actually, you know what? Com. Oh, what? I'm sorry. Can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. It's better to go to my MySpace page. Go to myspace.com <laughs> slash R-A-Y-A-Y-A-R-B-R-O-U-G-H. Yes. <laughs> Rhea Yarbrough. Yeah. Or Google her or buy her record on Amazon. Yes, have yes. It, have it shipped to your – have it overnighted to your door <laughs> and tell five friends about it and get them. And also check out alternajazz.com. Thank you so much for talking with me, Ray. Oh, thank you for having me, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Dreamer's Ball. Thanks for listening. Overthinkingit.com. Take me, take me, take me to the Dreamer's Ball. I'll be right on time. And I'll dress so fine You're gonna love me when you see me You won't have to worry Take me, take me Promise not to wake me Till it's morning And it's all been true all been true All been true Oh, I used to be your baby Used to be your pride and joy 
You used to take me dancing Just like any other boy But now you found another partner And left me like a broken toy With someone else you're taking Someone else you're playing to Oh, oh, honey, though I'm aching I know just what I have to do hey, If I can't have you when I'm waking to sleep and dream I'm with you Oh, take me, take me, take me to the dreamer's ball Hey, I'll be right on time And I'll dress so fine You're gonna love me when you see me You won't have to Worry. Take me, take me Promise not to wake me Till it's morning And it's all Dream.